In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus has called his twelve disciples, and he's now sending them out to proclaim to the children of Israel that the kingdom of heaven is near. The reign of God is here in Jesus, and Jesus is beyond comprehension. He is God in human flesh, God with us. His name means Yahweh saves, and he is Yahweh who has come to take away our sins. He eats with tax collectors and sinners and brings them the good news of forgiveness. And if you doubt who Jesus is, he demonstrates it. He heals the sick. He controls the weather. He brings dead back to life. He makes the blind see and the mute speak. He is the real deal. God in flesh. God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus is radical. He is new wine that cannot be contained in the old wineskins. Those who know Jesus love him and follow him. But many do not know Jesus. He is the new wine that bursts the old wineskins of their understanding. Those who do not believe Jesus hate him and hate all of his followers. So as Jesus sends out the twelve, he warns them. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now Jesus certainly does bring peace on earth. He is the prince of peace. At Jesus' birth, the angels announce peace. Jesus brings peace. But not always peace. And not only peace. Soon after Jesus' birth, King Herod orders Jesus to be murdered. And just to make sure, he orders the murder of all the baby boys in town. Baby Jesus brings the sword to Bethlehem. Jesus brings the sword of truth, and in return the world brings the sword of opposition. Jesus' call to repent exposes sin and brings conflict. Repentance is offensive. Who does this Jesus guy think that he is that he can try to tell me how to live? Repent? Me? Repentance is not the message that people are looking for. People are looking to live their lives, to be successful, to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. People want to do what they want to do and do whatever they think will make them happy. The call to repent, deny yourself and follow Jesus, goes against natural selfishness. Jesus comes to cure sin, but this causes hostility because people love sin. Jesus offers peace between God and man, but that offer of peace brings conflict and strife because Jesus' truth is absolute. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. You are either with Jesus or against Jesus. There is no middle ground. And this was a difficult teaching for the people at Jesus' time, and it's just as difficult for our modern ears to hear. We are not fans of absolutes. We're much more comfortable with compromise. We don't really like the clarity of Jesus' teaching. We don't like black or white, right or wrong, yes or no. We prefer middle ground. Instead of black or white, we would rather have gray. Instead of right or wrong, we would rather have situational ethics. Well, it depends. Instead of yes or no, we want maybe. We prefer a mushy middle ground where we can all just get along and we can ask, along with Pontius Pilate, what is truth? We want to compromise with sin and evil. And Jesus replies, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We want to transform the sharp sword of Jesus' truth into a dull, harmless hunk of metal that won't cut anything. We want to soften the cutting edge of Jesus' truth and live in a world of maybes. But that world doesn't really exist. It's just a figment of our postmodern imagination. Jesus is truth. Salvation comes through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Jesus' forgiveness, eternal life, and salvation are freely given through baptism, through the Word of God and Holy Communion. Jesus is the way, the only way. And there is no other way. And this brings the sword of opposition. We feel the sword of opposition as nations set themselves against the truth of Jesus. There is outright persecution of Christians in so many countries where you can be imprisoned or killed for following Jesus. Places like North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Yemen, Nigeria, and so many others. In those countries, it is dangerous even deadly to be a Christian. But you hear this and think, well, those are far away, backward places, very different than our own country. But we see it happening in countries closer to home where government entities support a radical secular agenda which promotes a culture of death and sterility with abortion and sexual confusion and euthanasia. In England, a woman was recently arrested for silently praying outside an abortion clinic. In Canada, euthanasia is promoted by the government and offered to anyone over 18 who has a grievous or irreversible health condition. Next year, anyone suffering from mental illness can make an appointment to be killed by the Canadian government. In Quebec province, 7% of all deaths are now government-assisted suicide. In the U.S. last September, a man's home was raided by 25 heavily armed SWAT officers 
who pointing their weapons at Mark Houck and his wife and his children. In his offense, Houck is a pro-life advocate accused of pushing an abortion clinic escort who was verbally abusing his son. Houck was facing 11 years in federal prison, but was found not guilty of the charges. So why the heavily armed, over-the-top police raid for a seemingly minor offense? Well, there are those in our federal government who want to intimidate and silence those who dare to advocate for the unborn. Michigan just passed a bill to make it a felony to intimidate someone by not using their preferred pronouns. Over the centuries, things haven't changed that much. Just as in Jesus' time, local, state, federal, and world governments oppose Jesus and his truth. You live in a world that hates Jesus. In the U.S., the fastest-growing religion is the nuns. N-O-N-E-S. Those who have no religious affiliation now make up 29% of the U.S. population, which is up from 16% in 2007. 80% of our country is not in worship on any given Sunday. We see the sort of opposition in many churches in our nation. Jesus' truth and his call to repent and follow him are offensive to so many so-called Christians. Their new theology reimagines a God made in their own image, a God that they can mold and shape to fit their pagan agenda. We saw this clearly this week in a viral video from an ELCA church in Minnesota who confessed a blasphemous queer sparkle creed. Many well-meaning churches want to sheathe Jesus' sword of truth so it's safer. And people are not made to feel uncomfortable about their sin. Far too many churches want to talk about anything rather than Jesus. Anything except sin, repentance, and forgiveness. We feel the sort of opposition in our families as a loved one departs from the way of Jesus to follow the ways of the world. And believing Christians continue to love and care for the straying one, but too often the issue will be forced and the demand will be made. Choose me and my ways or your Jesus and his ways. As a follower of the truth, you need to choose Jesus. And this is so terribly painful. You feel the sort of opposition in the world in our nation, in the church at large, and in your family. But that is not where it hurts the worst. It is worst in your own opposition to Jesus. Jesus' sword of truth cuts most deeply in your own life as it cuts away sin from you. Jesus' truth slashes deeply in my life as it cuts away the stubborn sin that clings to me. Or more honestly, the sin to which I stubbornly cling. Lust, greed, pride, sloth. 
anger, envy, and more. Jesus shreds all of my compromises with sin, all of my truces with evil, all of my lies, all of my excuses. Jesus' truth is deadly to the old sinful Adam that daily needs to be slain in my life. Jesus' truth cuts away everything that is sinful in my life. Jesus' truth cuts away everything sinful in your life. Everything. And this hurts. Jesus' sword of truth is unbending, unyielding, and mercilessly sharp. Jesus' truth is absolute and personal. And this cutting away of sin is not a one-time cathartic experience where you get to leave the old sinful self behind forever and emerge a new sinless person free from temptation. It's not a weekend retreat or a revival meeting where you can easily shed your sinful skin. It's not the end of the struggle. But it is rather an ongoing new beginning. In Christ you get a new beginning. You're born again of water and the Spirit. You daily remember your baptism and you receive a call to take up your cross and follow Jesus. For Jesus is the way, the only way, and you belong to him. There is no divided loyalty. You shall have no other gods. Today we install Matt Kinney to be vicar here at Emmanuel for a year as he prepares to serve in the office of the Holy Ministry as a pastor in Jesus' church. You and I are blessed to be a part of his pastoral formation. He will learn from us, and we will learn from him. Pray for him, for it is a challenging time to be a pastor in a world that hates Jesus. Pray for him, because it is a wonderful time to be a pastor in a world that desperately needs Jesus. Pray for the vicar and all who prepare to be pastors and all who are considering being pastors and all who serve as pastors to be given strength to not give in to the temptation to tell people what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear. Pray for all followers of Jesus in a world that hates Jesus. Pray for strength for the journey. Life with Jesus is not easy, but it is eternal. You are in Christ. You belong to Jesus forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith. Until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise to confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. <clears throat> 